Hello and welcome back to another episode of Showing Up with Maria, the More Movement Coaching Podcast. Today I have one of my best friends back on the podcast, Ellen. Ellen is a, well, I think you're probably the person I know that loves, I don't know anyone that loves running as much as you. You run on average between 50 and 20k a week. You've done two marathons in a year. You hiked the peaks with me in September when we did our podcast series. You resistance train, what, five, six sessions a week. You do, you teach now. What do you teach? Body pump. Body pump. Yeah, she's flexing. And her story is mad because once upon a time, Ellen couldn't walk. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds so dramatic, but it's actually true. (laughs) Yeah. So welcome, Ellen, back on the podcast. Hello. 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 So, Ellen start because this this do you know what is mad about this as well when I thought about it I think I'd known you a couple of years before you just casually dropped in like yeah I was disabled Mm, yeah and I I thought it was obviously a poor taste joke we don't joke about stuff like this but I thought you were doing going into some sort of skit because you do stand up (laughs) oh god yeah that'd go down well (laughs) and then I feel like oh okay so start from the beginning right so like let's take a back. I must have been about two, right? And there was history of like, like now we look at it. My nana had had issues with her legs, but never to like the degree that I did. But it was my nana that realised that I was limping when I was about two, three, or whatever. Um, went to the hospital. It's yeah, went to the hospital, and then <laughs> one thing led to another, and then I was just disabled no it wasn't as simple as that but (laughs) I basically went to hospital and they were like yeah there's something going on with our hips and so they looked into that and then they found out that I had something called Perthes disease which is a ball and joint a ball and joint issue most common with young boys um and then the way to solve that was by going into plasters so I got my legs broken into 180 degrees and I was a human crab for about three years <laughs> which how old were you how old so you went to hospital your nan it was the timeline I want to get clear your nan yeah. noticed the limp when you're about two yeah you went to the hospital how yeah. long did it take to get the diagnosis of say it again Perthes disease. Perthes disease. Yeah. How long did it take to get that diagnosis? I guess it was probably, it would have been within a few months. It okay. would have been in a few months. And then they were like, you're going to have these plasters on for a couple of years. Um, and at that point, like, we didn't know if it was, I, I mean, this was the most popular way of solving this issue. I mean, wow. you wouldn't say everyone walking around the street looking like this. Like, it wasn't <laughs> common so when people did see us it was like whoa she's in box splits 24 7 so they broke your hip they broke your hips yeah they like they put it to like a straight line so like my 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 knees were like in line with my ears and then the bottom part of your leg just hung yeah like a scarecrow but was that (laughs) was that in (laughs) was that in plaster the bottom part of your leg yeah, from, from my belly button all the way. It's like, you know, like a plaster you'd have on a broken arm? It was yeah. that, it was that hard, textured, heavy as shit plaster, but from my belly button all the way out, all the way down my legs to my ankles. 
I used to have a bath that was like two centimeters and it just went over my little toes. <laughs> so you were about, so you were two or three when you first had the plasters put on? Would have been about, well, yeah, about, about three maybe by then. And then I had them solid ones on for about two, about two years. And then after that, I moved to having splints, which was like Forrest Gump style. Right, hang on. Before we get into <laughs> Forrest Gump style, so two years in the plasters, they didn't change them for two years? Mm, they would get like wrapped, like rewrapped. I, I used to choose my colours, which was quite fun, actually. So do you remember that? Because that's young, yeah, but that's quite a traumatic yeah. thing. So you do remember? I do remember that. But the one thing I remember most is the smell. Because obviously my legs got pure filth. Yeah. I couldn't wash them. And I remember them being really itchy because my skin would get so dry. And I remember being in like a like a brewer's fair pub. And remember them like, remember them little plastic straw things that you'd get and you'd mix your cocktail around. Like yeah. it would have like a little surface. And you know what I mean? Like the yeah, little circle yeah, yeah. Plastic, I don't obviously we're we're too environmentally friendly for them now. But <laughs> I remember <laughs> like digging it into my into my plasters and trying to itch with this like plastic thing because it used to just get so itchy and like how do sorry carry on I was just saying I couldn't go like on the beach because obviously we didn't want sand in them but we went to the beach all the time so I remember watching kids a lot like just frivolously just in the sand and then I was just like creeping on the side (laughs) so how did you move around in them? Were you always in a chair? Yeah. So I couldn't walk. Like I, I could, I remember trying to balance one time and I would either fall completely forward or completely back. Yeah. And if I was lying down, I had to be on my back. Couldn't go on my front. I couldn't go on my side. Um, so yeah, I was in a wheelchair or this little like, <laughs> this bike where I could like, you know, scoop my legs. And then I had this other one where I rode with like my hands as well. Oh my oh, God. Oh, I got carried everywhere. My mom must've been hench. Like yeah. she, she carried a lot. So you're in them from the ages of about two, three to like four, five, and then they took you out of that. Mm. And then we did run for us run. Yeah. Well, we had to learn to walk before we run. Yes. Okay. So let's talk about that. So can you remember them coming off? Yes. I remember that really well because I was lying down and it was like a full on, um, like chainsaw. That was it. Like a full on chainsaw that went all the way up my legs. And then they took it off like in, like in one piece, like in a half. Yeah. And then I remember my, oh my God, my thighs were like as thin as this pen. Yeah. Because it was just bone. There was no muscle. So it was just pure chicken legs. And then, um, and then yeah, I had to get into rehab. And it's quite mad because I remember like the, you know, like what you see in the movies when they've got the the two like light, like the pole things you yeah. slide and you kind of go forward. And, and I did all that. And then obviously, because I was young, it probably did come back quite quick. But and then I had the splints, which is like a retainer for your teeth, which was a nightmare to get it back on us. I mean, like, remember yeah. when you had a brace and then you had the retainer, you just always forget to put the retainer on. So my mom had to really, like, pin us down and strap us into the, 
Thanks. And then how long were you in them for? I'd say on and off for about a year and a half because it just took, it was just, imagine having to put your legs back in that position. Yeah. When you are, when you're used to being free again. So. That is crazy. And what did it smell like when you took off? Can you remember that? Oh my God. So one time my dad fell over and he, and he scabbed his knee and he said to us, Ellen, smell that. And I was like, that is my plaster. It was like, (laughs) I have smelt the exact smell again. And it was like, like scabby, fleshy filth. Can you remember anything about learning to walk? Because if you were like two, you probably had only been walking for like a year or whatever before, hadn't you? Mm. I just remember, I just remember being like trying to stay on my toes a lot. Like I had to learn to go back to flat footed. I don't know what that was. I guess when you're being carried, your feet just dangle down. Yeah. So like even like the muscles in my ankles and stuff like that. So I remember always walking on my toes. And then they told us that I'll have arthritis by the time I'm 30, which is like, yeah, oh like two God. years time. But we'll just not think about that one. What, in your hips? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> close. No. Yeah, yeah, in my hips. What, they said that it would start coming on at 30? Because you'd think if, it, if they said by 30, you might be having some pain. Do you have pain in your hips now? I don't have pain, but I do have it in the winter. I can feel it a lot more. It's like an it's like an itchy bone. That's the only way I can describe it. Yeah. Like, I, and I used to say that to my mum when I was younger as well. Like, um, oh, I've got like itchy hips, but that's the only way that I can like articulate the feeling. But I mean, you know, my flexibility is shocking, anyways. Yeah. <laughs> I do actually need to work on that. <laughs> Um, what was the story? Because this killed me. When you, where did you go on a family holiday when you had your crab suit on on the plane? Oh God, yeah. You've always so, got a tail. So yeah. tell the story. Well, so because we're on about my disability, obviously disability like um, pros was that you got to jump a lot of queues as a yeah. child. <laughs> so, so we actually. And I got, like, we got this trip to Paris. No, my mum my mom paid for it, but then this company was also going to pay for my brother to go because, you know, disabled family members also got discounts. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, anyways, me and my mum could only end up going. So we went to Paris. I got all of the all of the queue jump photos, me, like in front of Tigger with my little braces on and my little stuff on. I looked cute. And then um, on the way back, we got on the plane. Me and my mum were already running late. So everyone was sat down. I couldn't fit down the aisle. Yeah, a crab. So I literally had, like, I remember being, like, going downwards, like, sideways. And, I mean, they're narrow, aren't they, anyways? Yeah. So my mum was like really dragging us through. She's sweating buckets and then get at the back. And I was on one side of the aisle because I couldn't sit in a, in a uh, chair. Like I had to be on the corner. And then she was sat on the other side of the, of the thing as well. On the other side of the aisle. So I like bloody hell, nearly missed the plane. And then these two policemen just started coming down the... <laughs> 
down the aisle. And my mum was like, oh, God, what's going on here? Oh, I wonder who this is for. And they just got closer and closer and closer. And then they just stood above one. And the policeman said, excuse me, are you Miss McLachlan? She said, yeah. And he said, you've got a gun in your bag. Well, the whole plane was like, whoa, <laughs> what? And then it obviously looked like, oh, yeah, she's used the token disabled kid to hide her guns. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, yeah, whoa, me with a little disabled child when I'm actually a terrorist. And then, so that wasn't looking good. And then <laughs> what was even worse was we had to get taken off the plane. It was already delayed. I had to crab back down the aisle. Turns out it was literally a toy gun that we bought for my brother at Disneyland Paris. And then we had to get back on the plane. So it was like, it was absolutely mortifying. And it just looked like my mum was really playing the sympathy card with the disabled <laughs> child. It was terrible. It was terrible. But then, like, my mum now tells us stories about, like, like one time I was walking down the just down the street and a woman stopped my mum and went, oh, my God, that is the funniest thing I have ever seen. <laughs> she was just pointing at me. And my mum <laughs> said, I do not know how. I did, like, I just didn't kill her. Like there and then, you know what I mean? Imagine someone stopping you and saying that about your kid. And then the other time my mom nearly killed someone was um, what in the queue waiting to get face paints. And then this woman tapped my mom on the shoulder and was like, excuse me, can my child go in front of you? Because, I mean, yours does have a chair. Give <laughs> <laughs> me my God. <laughs> I know. And like my mum still to this day is like, I honestly don't know how I'm not in jail for murder for life because at them two points, she was just like, what the fuck? But oh, I, can't, I can't remember a lot of that. The only time I remember is being, is being called crab girl at school by, I'll not say her name, but she's a bitch. And, um, <laughs> and I, that's the only time I remember being like, that actually makes me so sad. Like little baby Ellen in her little yeah. races like a crab and they were called you crab girl. Mm, yeah. So when, can you remember when you first started, do you love sports? As soon as like you took it off, was there sports that you love? Like when did you get into mm. running? Cause you're really athletic now. Um, no, I think I enjoyed the gym in high school. That's when I joined. Um, I've never been a natural runner. I'm still not a natural runner. I just enjoy what comes from it now. Yeah. Like, and I think part of that is the freedom and the like feeling of running and stuff like that. But I will, I'll never, I would never say that I was a natural runner. It's really took time to build that and then to finally enjoy it. Um, yeah, I'd say the end of high school, I was conscious about like wanting to, to work out. But obviously then as well, it's a lot to do with like your image, isn't it? I don't know. Yeah. I, I think just before the marathon and especially the marathon training was when I started to really just appreciate like running as a sport, the fuel you needed to be able to do that. Like it changed my mindset a lot about like what you need 
versus what you think you need or why you're doing it as well. And I think the, God, the gratitude I had for my body after the marathon was mental. Yeah. And do you look back? So was that always, I'm just going to look it up. Hang on. How do you, I spell it? Per, what is it? Does it, what is it? Perthes disease. I think it's like P E disease. Cause is, was it always a guarantee that that was going to fix it? Here we go. Disease is a childhood condition that occurs when blood supply to the ball part of the hip joint is temporarily interrupted and the bone begins to die. This weakened bone gradually breaks apart and can lose its round shape. Does it go away? Most children with Perthes disease eventually recover, but it can take anywhere from two to five years for the femoral head to regrow and return to normal or close to normal. Perthes disease is also known as leg calf Perthes disease or coxaplana. Probably absolutely butchered that last word. Because um, mad. I want to know, how popular is it? I mean, I don't know. The, the, there was one kid in the North like in North Tyneside, where I lived at the time, who had Perthes disease. He happened to live on Minana Street. So really? we used to talk to that family, but they were the only ones in North Tyneside. Um, well, it says here, sorry, Ellen, it says here that it's affecting about one in 10,000 children. Oh, piss off, really? That's yeah. mad. That's at one in 10,000 children. Perthes disease usually affects children between the ages of four and eight years, but the range can extend to between two and 12 years old. Both hips are affected in up to 15% of the children. That's crazy, 10,000. Yeah. Why am, I not, why am I not as lucky as like bloody winning the lottery like that or something? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so are you going to run any more marathons? I would like to, yeah. I, I honestly recommend the marathon to every single person. Well, even ever. me? Oh, honestly, Maria, it is just incredible. I honestly think the running is the last thing about it. It's the least important thing on the day. Yes, it's, like, hard, but, like, just the, the feeling, the energy, the commitment to other people seeing the other people like running and the crowd honestly it was one of the best days of my life so far that is that is such a statement that's amazing yeah I never and I guess my expectations were kind of low because like the training you're just running you're just running and like you haven't got the enjoyment of everything else but on the day the whole package is worth every single train and run you've ever done oh you gotta do it you've got to do it I think I'll come up you can do it again well you've got your list of like your wish list you want to do more marathons right where's the where are the other ones New York I'd love to do New York I'd like to do the Boston one Berlin um I just think it's, it's a great way to see the city but I think I think London was so special as well. And like I had everyone there and the route is incredible. And oh. the reason you did two, just because you should have done the marathon when it was COVID, right? Yeah. And then they delayed it and then did you a virtual marathon, which you said never again. Never do that ever again in a million years. That was shite. Shocking, yeah. My straw about like the marathon app 
just kept stopping. I ended up running 28 miles in the end. It was pissing down with rain. My app kept stopping. My headphones were dying. Joe was on the bike like, I'm cold, I'm cold. I was like, oh, no, no, no. Yeah, it was awful. But the real thing was just, I guess as well, maybe that's why I went in just like, right, okay, here we go. Yeah. But I was training for two years because it got pushed back twice. So, yeah, which is crazy because no one would train, I'm sure, for that length of time for a marathon. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was mad. But then it was like awkward timings because I thought I can't stop now because then I had to start again from the very beginning. So it was just that maintaining constantly like what I'd already done. Yeah. And, yeah. The, and the training by the end is so long and boring. Like, you know, having to try and fit in 20 miles, 15 miles, that's, that's like, could be up to like three hours a day. Yeah. You know, where do you what fit was- three hours in? What would you say? Because I know you say you're like not a natural runner, but I actually think that works in your favour because I think people sometimes presume that people that run just naturally mm. are good at it. If someone wanted to get into it and they think, oh, I'm not a runner, like I can't, where, have you got any, what would be like your go-to advice for just them getting into it? How did you start? Um, I think you've got to find a good route, find a route that you enjoy. Okay. So like something small and then, and then you've just got to find your playlist. It's all <laughs> you've got to find that banging playlist that will get you through and then short and often for a while. Yeah. And then it's weird because then like you'll start doing say six mile and you think, God, oh, that, that felt a bit better. And then you'll like do another mile and keep adding it on, but just start off small, often, try a different pace and my favorite thing when I first started I said I just wanted to run in a line I don't know why or a loop like a yeah loop no I get gone. the loop finish yeah. yeah so I think I think like getting a good route um I prefer where I'm not thinking the, the, the thing about the line was in COVID because there's a massive um like a massive motorway really where I, where I live in Newcastle. And I just used to feel like just, I could just power through. There wasn't many roads to cross and stuff like that. So you could just like soar out, listen to my music. So I think a good route, good music, and then just not, not pressure. Like the other day I went for a run and it was the first time in a long time where I just thought, I'm just going to enjoy it. Like yeah. turned off Strava and stuff like that. Um, oh, and I could have ran, I could have, old school forest gumped it like it was it was a great run it was a really good but maria you did some running remember yeah we did um 5k a day didn't we for november was it yeah it was a whole month yeah and i did that was after i did the couch to 5k and i did enjoy i do sometimes think about getting back into it you know but i'm like a fair weather runner Mm. so wait until the spring's really here and then i might do it um i've actually got i think have you got your phone there do you have a playlist for running? I've got a few, yeah. Top three running anthems. What get you going? I've actually got a playlist called Run Bitch. And that's <laughs> the one, yeah, that's the one that I made myself. So if you could only have three songs of Run Bitch, what are they? Well, Run Bitch is a bit hardcore, actually. It's a bit like, you know, going, going for it. A bit dancey, bit, bit house. 
I mean, it depends. You, you know what? I, you know what? I'm like Maria. I've got my different playlists for my different runs. So I like my rainy um, music video '90s kind of run. But wait, my... look, look, what as if it's raining outside, like that kind of looking at the Ooh. window. Ooh, but yeah, run into that. that. That gets you going. So like if yeah, sometimes if it's raining, a nice little five k, but with like. You should let me love you. You know, like, just be like, hmm, you're just running along and just, like, feeling so good about it and just, like, oh, let the rain pour down your face. So, like, you got that kind of vibe. Or I've got, like, my house kind of oons, type. And then, obviously, S Club 7 Greatest Hits. <laughs> I mean, obviously. What else would, would get you going? I know you are the biggest Joe from S Club Seven fan. Well, I know. Can we say you're a fan now? She did some weird stuff in Big Brother, but that was a lot of years ago. I don't know where oh, we stand I with know. that. She's but we can love her as a childhood memory. Yeah, yeah, and it doesn't take away the legendary albums that they did produce back in yeah. the day. <laughs> <laughs> Jamelia, uh, superstar, unwritten. Yeah. Tasha Benfield. Do you know what I mean? There's just nothing more liberating. Oh, Ellen, thank you so much. You've never spoken about this. So I'm really, I love that I could find out a bit more. And also I'm going to link to like, um, there must be a website that says more about Perfie's disease and like ways people can help or support. Because yeah. if people, I can't even imagine if you, I mean, I know we've got the NHS, but if people didn't have the money to then yeah. get yeah, stuff the sorted. Up, yeah, the upkeep and stuff. Like my mum had to make my own knickers and things. So there's like, Lots of stuff. Oh my god! Well, I was originally going to run for the charity that helped me out for the marathon, yeah. but it, it doesn't even exist anymore. So, oh yeah, yeah, I hope I hope there's more stuff out there. Definitely. Well, I'm going to tag you, although you're not really. Are you still on your social te- your social no, detox? You're back on the I'm, gram now. I'm back on the gram, and you know, okay. what? I'm, I, yeah, I'm back on. I'm feeling okay. Right. So I'll tag you where people can find you. If anyone is listening to this as well and they have experience with this as well or know of someone, definitely reach out and tell us both because this was the first time I'd ever heard of Perfie's disease. Yeah, yeah and I'd be interested to that. That was the remedy. Let's just wrap her up for a few years, <laughs> like a crab. all right then guys if you enjoyed this episode please make sure to let us both know over on instagram and remember to please like share and rate the podcast because it all helps and i will be back with another episode soon bye bye